Welcome to Courageous Parenting Podcast, a weekly show to equip parents with biblical truth on raising confident Christian kids in an uncertain world. Hi, I'm Angie from Courageous Mom. And I'm Isaac from Resolute Man. We've been married 19 years and have seen the fruit in raising our eight kids biblically based on the raw truth found in the Bible. We can no longer let the culture win the hearts of children. Too many children from Christian families are walking away from the faith by age 18, and it doesn't have to be this way. It shouldn't be this way. Join us as we start an important conversation about effective parenting in a fallen world. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, guys. So glad you're with us. If you are a new listener, thanks for joining us. If you've been listening for a long time, or like many of our listeners we hear from, they've been binge listening, which is awesome. Uh, I'm praise glad God. it's that encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> it encourages us when we hear yeah. it. And so welcome. We are doing part one of a two-part series because there was so much content that yeah. we wanted to give you practical information about, uh, you know, biblical parenting must-dos with your 6 to 11-year-old kids. Yeah, so Isaac and I had just been talking about um, the different topics that we would like to talk about in the podcast, and it just was really um, laid on my heart that we oftentimes talk about parenting in regards to um situations that are more applicable to toddlers and kids that are like under seven years old. And we've also done episodes that were very much focused on like young adult and teenage years, like the biblical manhood ceremonies one. And we've interviewed our daughter who came home from college and we've interviewed other kids. Um, And so it was just kind of on my heart that we covered this age category. We're going to be talking about ages 6 to 11. And I was just thinking about, do you realize we have five kids that are over 11 years old? Amazing. That's awesome. So you guys, we are in the midst of it because we have Ethan, who is nine. Yeah. Right? He's our only one that's actually in this category. His older five siblings are all over this category. And um, so we have some tips that we've learned over the last 20 years in regards to this season because we've already parented five kids. It's so important because even if your kids are not in this age range yet, you've got to be thinking about this stuff ahead of time. And if they already are in it, it's not too late. And if they're beyond this, this will also be helpful to you. Yeah, so two things on that particular aspect of it. One, if you believe what the whole Bible says, which if you're listening to Courage Parenting, I, I think you do. Yeah. In Titus 2, there's this little scripture that commands older people to teach the younger, right? Mm -hmm. The older men to teach the younger men and the older women to teach the younger women. It even says specifically to love their husbands and children and be busy in the home and all these other things, right? And so that's in regards to parenting stuff, right? That's loving your children. That's being busy in the home. And so this is actually, if maybe you feel like you didn't necessarily parent this age category as intentionally or even biblically. Maybe you got saved after your kids were out of this age category. This will be a really insightful podcast for you to be able to disciple other moms and other dads. And if you get your relationship right and the child, your children uh, trained right in these age, this age range, then you're equipping them for the teenage years Yes, and it's never too late, but it's Mm -hmm. way easier Right. If you do it right. early. I mean, we you guys are often hear us 
talking on social media about how we love our teenagers. Yeah. We actually like them too. It's not just that we love them because they're our kids, because every parent loves their child, but we actually like them. We oh, like we love hanging time out with them. With them. Yeah. They're cool people. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's going to be something that changes now that they're young adults even. yeah. And so we want that experience for you guys. I'm sure you do want that as well. So we're going to go over. We have 10 biblical parenting must-dos, but we're going to cover five today. Yeah. And the five that we're going to talk about is character development, discipling and teaching, responsibility and contributions, disciplined life and friendships. And next week... We're talking about identity, purity, big topic... Uh, their thing they're good at and like education and your relationship. So both of them have some really like ping word slash topics. And we thought it would be helpful for you guys to know what we're going to be covering in case you listen to this and you're like, but what about this? Right? Yeah. Like some people might go, what about their identity in Jesus? Well, we're going to get dive into that and that aspect of discipleship more in the next episode. This is really like the the things you have to build on before you get to that place. Now, we're just going to spend a moment to give you a quick update on the One Million (laughs) Legacy Movement. By the way, when you listen to this, when you share it, you're saying, hey, I want to contribute to this One Million Legacy Movement. And that's simply to impact One Million Mm -hmm. Legacies with biblical parenting knowledge so the next generations are raising their kids in a more Mm -hmm. fruitful way for the kingdom of God. So uh, we're really passionate about it. Uh, So many people are passionate about it with us, and we're so encouraged when we see those shares. Mm -hmm. Also, it just takes a tap on iTunes to give us five stars. Mm -hmm. It's not us. It's really the movement, uh, and it just gives more exposure to the content and information, which spreads to other places too. Another thing is uh, CourageousParenting.com. You have all the scripture references, Mm -hmm. a video of this episode, uh, everything written out that we talked about and uh, any resources mm-hmm. we talked about too, whether they're free or things uh, that you can purchase yeah. too. Thank you to our son, Austin, who yeah. does the transcript he runs of his own the business. podcast. Yeah. yeah, so very so, cool. Um, anyway, we're just really encouraged by you guys. And we also want to invite you to give us ideas of things that you'd like to hear us talk about on the podcast. That's always super helpful because we want to be relevant to you guys. And we want to be um, just submitted to the spirit and what the Lord wants us to be sharing. And there's two free things that are cool. One is the date night one sheet. If you subscribe to our mailing list, that'll be emailed to you. You can do that by going to courageousparenting.com. A pop-up will appear and you can sign up. Mm-hmm. Or in this blo- in the blog post for this episode, there will also be a form there. Uh, the other free thing is the, what people are just raving about is this short, it's about 30 minutes or so, Courageous Parenting Workshop. And uh, so you can sign up for that too. Okay, let's dive in. Why don't you kick us off with number one? So the first biblical parenting must do is character development. And so remember, we're talking about age six to 11-ish. And I'm saying ish because maybe your kid is um, a little bit less spiritually mature. And so maybe this talk is more something that you would apply when they're seven or eight years old. That's something that you actually have to decide based upon your knowledge and understanding of where your child is at, both on a spiritual level and on just an emotional, mental maturity, all Mm -hmm. those things, right? Even physical maturity too. And so, um, I just want to put that out there. We are putting age 6 to 11 because that's kind of what we've seen for our family, but they're also raised in the Tolpin culture, which Mm -hmm. might be different than the culture that you've said as well. So we just want you to – first step, I actually think, before we even dive into these, is that they need to evaluate where their kids are at in a maturity level on all those different terrains, right? Like spiritual maturity, um, trustworthy maturity, all those things. So – but – 
Character development is our first must-do, and there are many attributes that you could choose. We have picked a few that we're just going to share with you guys, but really, ultimately, we want the parents to be discussing together as couples, like, what are the main character development things that maybe this particular child, it doesn't come naturally to them? Because some kids are actually just really honest, right? Versus some other kids that maybe so struggle I would look, with it. So as we go through some of these, you could jot them down or make yeah. a mental note. But what she's saying is get together as a married couple. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're a single mom, then you're getting together with yourself (laughs) and you're amazing but uh and write out a list of the things you'd like to see in your kids and then kind of go hey which kids have these and which kids don't and you'll Mm -hmm. start to identify areas of opportunity so generosity is one or kindness Mm -hmm. or how about self-control or honesty or work ethic or loyalty and when we say loyalty like you know when they're playing with one sibling and then they have a friend over do they ditch the sibling? Right, mm-hmm. so there's there's one test of loyalty. Um, another would be having a teachable heart, which could also be labeled as humility, as the character quality. Actually, yeah. Um, so that's another big one. Another one that's really important for this particular age category, and I just want to explain why we put this on the list is contentment. Mm. So this age for both boys and girls for different reasons, you want to start saying the word content. And teaching your kids what contentment means, praying with your kids for them to have a content heart, meaning not um, allowing themselves to fall, start falling into the comparison trap. This is where girls start paying attention to how other girls are dressing and they mm-hmm. start comparing and maybe they're even comparing how their mom dresses to another mom that might be labeled a cool mom, right? Yeah. And we don't want them to be keeping up with the Joneses. Oh, why can't I have one of those cool new bikes? Johnny has one. Mm-hmm. Like just there are, there's the aspects of comparing with things, but there's also aspects of comparing with just like how God designed their body, their physical attributes, being okay with having straight hair or curly hair, mm-hmm. or um, you know, maybe you don't allow your kids to wear makeup, but your 11-year-old has a neighbor girl that does wear makeup. So do your kids embrace how they were made by God? And how you're raising them. And how you're raising them. And now, hey, some of the guys might be going, hey, contentment. Yeah, I kind of like that word, and I kind of don't like that word. If, if, if yeah. At least this is how I was when I was uh, fresher in understanding of that biblical word uh, in my early days. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is, because I saw it done wrong in the church, whereas a lot of times um, people in the name of contentment would, came- would mock people trying to make progress in their lives well, there, yeah. and there's a big difference yeah, so what you said is. is right on but mm-hmm. it's so there's two things that can happen you can be content with what god has given you but at the same time trying to make progress towards something right. whether that's work or things right. like that so i think a good distinguishing uh vocab word might be the difference between contentment and complacency yeah right we don't want to ever become complacent even like in our walk with god right yep. we always want to be growing yeah right we always want to be learning education wise we don't want our kids to become complacent and mm-hmm. be like oh i already know it all i already know math <laughs> you know yeah and so And part of that is having a humble heart. But we do want them to be content with what God has given them and not be coveting 
yes. or be jealous. That's big. And, and that this is actually the age category where, where you happening. start seeing this early signs you of it. You start to see a fickle nature to your kids right. where they start caring too much about the wrong things. Yeah, sometimes. And also fickle in the sense of um, not being content playing with a specific toy and leaving it and going to something else really quickly and then mm-hmm. going to something else really quickly and then going to something else really quickly, right? And you can even see that at age four and five. And so it's good to teach your kids contentment. And part of that is having self-control. Because when you start feeling discontent or you start struggling with jealousy to exercise self-control, see how these two are kind of linking together. So, um, and this is something that actually has to be taught, which is why we're bringing it up. So obviously we've just listed, I don't know, maybe 10 different character traits. There are many out there like we could actually do a whole podcast on character traits one thing to do sometimes it's easier because we naturally think like this what are the things you don't like about what your kids are doing Mm -hmm. and now label it as a character development challenge and now you know the things to work on and find the opposite thing that you can be encouraging and affirming in your kid and teaching them the the, because the opposite is what you want them to have so if they are um not content they're, you're going to see jealousy, right? Or com- comparing and in, in these yeah. different things, right? And so you might it might be easy for you to go, oh, my child is really struggling with jealousy. But what is it that you want to be teaching them? You don't want to be constantly scolding them. Oh, you're jealous. Oh, you're jealous. Oh, you're jealous. No, because no. then what do they do? They start to develop an identity that they're a jealous person. That's not So equipping. instead, you equip them with a positive yep. character attribute that you want to see grow in them, which is contentment. Which is good leadership. And sometimes as parents, we can be so busy with our own agenda and things like that. We see something in our kids that we don't like and we go, oh, kids will be kids, which is a horrible statement and not true. Or we'll (laughs) say, oh, they'll grow out of this. And that is just such hopeful, Mm -hmm. wishful thinking that's inaccurate. In fact, as they go into their teenage years, if you let that um, root, that small little weed, let's call it a weed, um, be there, it'll grow into a thorn, thorny plant that's hard to pull like out. Like a thistle, yeah. In their teenage it's really years. sin. I mean, and this yeah. jealousy is a sin. But contentedness is a character quality attribute, right? In fact, we have a couple scripture scriptures here we want to encourage you guys with. The first one is Second Peter verse 5 through 9. says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence. Mm. So giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. So it's this huge. is actually a really awesome passage that you could even talk to your kids about and focusing on these specific virtues and character qualities first, right? Perseverance, self-control, knowledge. These are things that it's literally saying give all diligence to adding these things to your faith. Yeah. So it's something that we can actually put on. It's something we can have action in. And if we can have action in doing that, our kids can also. And this is actually really encouraging because the next passage of scripture that we want to share with you is about the fruits of the spirit. And while you're looking that up, mm-hmm. uh, I just want to emphasize a couple we already mentioned here, which is work ethic. 
you want to instill work ethic at a very young age with your kids. So mm -hmm. find ways you can instill that in them. And the other one we mentioned was teachable. Mm -hmm. And you have to lay the groundwork that you are the most important teachers in their life. Mm -hmm. Even if they have other coaches, teachers, and so forth. If you don't, then they won't come to you in the teenage years for the answers that they're looking yeah. for. True. So in this particular passage, we're going to be going through Galatians chapter 5. Yes, that's part of Fruits of the Spirit. Yeah. But before that, it actually talks about walking in the flesh and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, which is in verse 16. It says, for the flesh lusts after, against the Spirit. So there's like a waging war, right? Mm -hmm. And this age, 6 to 11, is the time when a lot of kids, if they're being raised biblically, will start... Um, wrestling with their faith, come mm -hmm. to know the Lord. And so we wanted to put this out there because yes, these are these are fruits of the spirit, which means they are the consequence, the fruit mm -hmm. of the spirit, right? Yeah. So if a child gets saved and they have the Holy Spirit in them, then these are the fruits that you should see if it yeah. was a genuine born again conversion, right? Yeah. And so we're gonna go over those. But in regards to parenting, like we have to have a realistic perspective of our kids, right? Mm -hmm. We often talk about taking the rose-tinted glasses off and saying, hey, are my kids actually saved? Is it realistic for me to expect them to have the fruits of the Spirit in their life when they don't have the Holy Spirit, actually, right? Mm -hmm. And to be teaching them, like we were just talking about, it said that we can put on virtue. We can choose to teach yeah. our kids these things. It even listed self-control, which is also in the list of spiritual gifts or fruits yeah. of the spirit. And I think that there's two different elements of self-control. Like we can teach our kids to have um, an awareness of when they need to exercise self-control and they need to calm down, right? Yeah. They're having a temper tantrum and, and you remind them and you go, okay, you need to take a deep breath. You need to have self-control right now. Mm -hmm. And we can teach them how to choose that. But when they have the Holy Spirit, self-control is actually, when they're walking in the Spirit, yeah. can become part of their nature. And it's not something they have to to choose to do. It's just some, it's a fruit that comes out of them. Yeah. And so that's the difference between the two types, but they can still have self-control. My point is, is you can teach kids self-control even if they aren't mm -hmm. saved yet, yeah. right? Which is it's good news as parents because we all want our kids to yeah. be self-controlled. Um, but let's just read what some of these are, okay? So in I'm not going to go over what the works of the flesh are. If you want to be able to label things and kind of evaluate if your kids are struggling with them, I encourage you to read verse 19 through 22. But we're going to start at verse 22, which says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, mm -hmm. kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And so anyway, these are other character attributes that if your kids are saved, you should start seeing these fruits in them. Yeah, And that is a sign that their conversion and being born again is was totally of God. And that's exciting. So point number two is we have to disciple and teach them mm -hmm. proactively. Sometimes right. time just goes by and you don't even realize it, but you haven't been discipling and teaching them things. You've been around them. You've been in car rides with them. You, you took mm -hmm. them to a sports thing. You ate dinner together. You chit-chatted, mm -hmm. but you haven't had directed discipleship or teaching happening. Yeah, and so what's interesting about this word disciple or teach, right? Because mm -hmm. um, we're going to read a passage in Scripture here in Luke chapter 6, verse 19, which is going to totally like, if you haven't read this particular passage, you're going to go, whoa. <laughs> um, but 
discipling is teaching, like mm-hmm. what you're talking about. Like you meet with the boys, you mm-hmm. and I meet with Megan, and we are very purposeful. We're reading through scripture. We're teaching them what the word says. We're applying it to life, challenging them on areas that we see in their life to grow in, mm-hmm. praying together. We're discipling them, mm-hmm. right? Um, and this is the age where you can start doing that kind of stuff mm-hmm. with your kids, and it's exciting, right? But there's an element of discipling where you have to realize that you Jesus was discipling as he was walking with yeah. people. And so we, we're actually discipling them by what we model. And we are. We are discipling them. We yeah. are teaching them. And so that's what Luke chapter 6, verse 40. says, uh, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. So do you want your kids to be like you? That's an interesting question to ask ourselves because that's exactly <laughs> Super convicting. what happens. Yeah, and it's it's a good question that we – it's yeah. not like a question we ask ourselves once. We have to ask it over and over again, yeah. and it's humbling, right? Mm-hmm. And, to, and I think that part of that is, you know, we've oftentimes encouraged parents with James 3.1 because it says not many of you should want to be teachers, my yeah. brethren, unless you receive a stricter judgment. And that's in regards to like elders and teachers in the church specifically. Yeah. But there is an element of parenting where we are teachers and we are held accountable to God for what we teach. And that's not just verbally, although that is very serious. In Matthew 18, like the first passages of scripture are all about whoa, don't lead one of these little ones astray. It'd be better for you to have a millstone hung around your neck and be thrown into the depths of the sea. Like Jesus takes that seriously. We have to take it seriously. I'm going to tell you an exercise um, that I did with the kids when our oldest kids were all in this age range Mm -hmm. in a second. But first, uh, let's tune in just for a moment and hear from many couples that have gone through the parenting mentor program, the self-paced program that is we're hearing just incredible feedback is transformative. Uh, It's 10 hours Mm -hmm. of self-paced curriculum that uh, people are going through and increased access to us Mm -hmm. and live footage, you know, with Facebook lives and things like that. So it's pretty cool. Let's listen. Steve and I realized that we were getting too comfortable with the world's vision of how to raise our children. What Angie and Isaac have done in creating this is literally phenomenal. This program provided awesome scripture-based teachings and just some really great practical applications. This class has just really rocked my world. It has given me a vision for not just the different things that we might focus on as parents who are trying to raise our kids biblically, like how our kids are behaving or what we're doing with discipline, but also the things of the heart. We now have a game plan to how we want to raise our children. We have so many answers to the questions that have been in our mind. It's not just these hypothetical situations or it's not just this, here's what I think you should do. It's let me show you where in scripture this is. Do your legacy a favor and yourself a favor and just do it. One of the best things that we've done this year, one of the best investments we've made this year, and I could not recommend it more. We're no longer fearing dark days ahead, but we're so excited to raise lights to be leaders for the next generation. So cool. So here's the exercise that I've done with the kids, which is they have to give five minute messages. Kind of like of little mini sermons little in a way. Little mini sermons. In be- the sense that they read the scripture to everybody. Because not only yeah. are we supposed to teach our kids, but I want the kids to know how to teach. Because mm-hmm. whether they're going to be 
a stay-at-home mom. They might be homeschooling or yep. they're going to have careers or whatever they're going to do. They need to teach. Even if they don't have the gift of teaching, um, they still need to, they be still able need to, to teach. teach. They need yeah. to teach their families and stuff the like great, that. The Great Commission is discipling and part of discipling is teaching. And I think yeah. these days, one of soft skills are going to be huge as automation, uh, machine learning, uh, artificial intelligence, mm -hmm. all this stuff is already here and increasing. Mm -hmm. uh, as you think about what jobs people are going to be able to do, it's going to be heavily on soft skills and leadership mm -hmm. orientated. Um, and so uh, being yeah. able to speak orate is a really, really important, important skill, skill, no yeah. matter what somebody's doing, especially in the coming years. And so equipping kids for an uncertain world, this is a key, key thing to do. So I always felt strong about that. So our kids have been in debate. Um, we've they have to do presentations with CC every single every week. week. Yeah. So it's it's been a skill that we've really worked on, and we would encourage you to work on that with your yeah. kids in the. And you can do it like we were doing it with our kids before we were doing CC. Yeah. And our kids were six, seven. Eight. I mean, as soon as they can read, they can read the Bible in front of the brothers and sisters, and then just share what that passage means to them. Um, and if they can't read, you can actually spend time preparing them and reading a passage with them, and then they can try to share the what they remember yeah. from you reading to them and sharing what it means to them. And so sometimes sometimes yeah. it was scripture, sometimes it was from a book that they liked, sometimes yep. it was something they learned, but they had to come up with something to teach and we would take turns Yeah, and it was so cute and fun. I know it was, we have on video. So the second thing under discipling and teaching is equipping your kids with scriptural knowledge. And so obviously you're reading the Bible to them when they're younger than age six, but as you know, if you've been trying to implement family Bible time, sometimes the four-year-olds on down are a little bit more squirmy Maybe their attention spans a little bit less. Once you hit five years old and six years old and seven, every age category, the more and more mature that your child becomes, the longer they can sit, the more mm -hmm. they can pay attention, the more they can actually collaborate, participate, have their own opinions, ask questions. Mm -hmm. And so this is really where the equipping stage begins because they're going to, and what we mean by equip is that they're getting scriptural knowledge and you're also encouraging them to be bold then and to to know why they believe what they believe so that if someone asks them they have an answer yeah. actually because that's what the bible tells us we should have an answer right and mm -hmm. so this is this part of the discipling also helps them to make their faith their own um and to understand the greater why not just because mom and dad are saying so but because the bible says so yeah and that's what you want you want your kids to have a conviction that they believe in jesus that they believe in the god of the the creator of the universe because of what the Bible says, not because of what mom and dad have said. So the other aspect of discipling teaching is worldview stuff. Worldview is huge. You, you need to be starting to teach them about what's going on in the world and the ways of the world. Okay, so um, there's a certain level you're going to do that. Obviously, I'm not going to go into as many details about certain things as I would when they're teenagers, but they need to start mm -hmm. knowing because you have to pre-frame. Uh, Pre-framing is teaching somebody what uh, is important mm -hmm. for them to know before they're exposed to it from the wrong influences. Right. And so I used to do this in work, in leadership and so forth. I'd pre-frame the experiences 
the challenging experiences mm-hmm. I know people are going to have as they try and go do something. Yeah. And we can't go into all of the actual worldview issues here in this podcast, but if that is a really interesting topic, we actually cover it really in depth in the Courageous Parenting Mentor Program. We do. And so I would, it's actually one of the main videos under the Courage label yeah, yeah. session if the, if they don't know about the world how do they won't know how to engage it for the purposes mm-hmm. of godliness in the kingdom of god right and so it'll be hard i mean you want your kids to not be alarmed about what they see and come across mm-hmm. so that when they see it they've already been told about it and they know how to respond to it right. i'm going to give you a michael jordan uh quote so there's for the love of the game uh it's the book by michael jordan and he said uh, I want the ball when there's three seconds left on the clock and I know I'll make it. And he goes, why? Cause I've envisioned it thousands and thousands of times to where, when that moment comes, when there's a need to rise to the occasion for the team and make something happen, I know I can do it. Cause I've already envisioned this so many times. And so it's kind of like, you're like, the kids aren't alarmed about the things that happen in their life. When a kid shows them pornography on their phone, they already heard about that. And they know how to respond immediately versus getting sucked to into it. To protect themselves. That's right. And so when it comes to worldview at this age, like we're, remember, I'm reminding you again, we're talking about age six to 11 years old here. And this is all these different topics. Isaac just briefly mentioned pornography, right? And we go into it in depth in the parenting program, but you're going to have to evaluate where your kids are at on an emotional, spiritual, mental, and physical level. Yeah. And discern what worldview things you're teaching that. When and we'll talk right? about purity in the part two to this, too. right? So, the next thing, um, well, you talked about pre framing and what you're exposed to, and part of that is also media. Um, because sometimes yeah. kids, you know, obviously, there's like um laws that say that kids should not be on social media until they're 13, I think, is one of the ages for like Instagram, and so I for sure would not have a kid be on social media before that. But can I just encourage you or exhort you that if they use your phone, they probably see social media. Mm -hmm. And so you just need to be really wise about what you're showing them or what they're potentially exposed to on your phone too. And so that's a good accountability partner right there. And some of you are like, oh, my kids are never going to be on social media. You know, well, that's a really bad decision. And, um, we've talked about this other times. We can't go fully into that. But Mm -hmm. when do you want to train them? when they're out of your home or when they're in your home? Well, you can't train them when they're out of your home. Bingo. So bam, yeah. Because they're going to do what they're going to do mm-hmm. when they're out of your home. So you want to train them in the ways to handle things. Mm-hmm. It's not that social media is all bad. It's that it can be used poorly. Right. So the next thing, so the third biblical parenting must do for six to 11 year olds is responsibility and contributions. Yeah. And this is something that we've both been very passionate about. We start with our kids even younger than six years old, but because we're focusing on this age category, um, we thought that it would be helpful to give you guys some ideas, label some practical things that would be appropriate for this age category to start doing as far as responsibilities that they can handle at this age, okay? And obviously, again, you need to evaluate your kid. What can they handle safety-wise? Even like weight, like are they strong enough to handle dishes, for example? Because dishes are on our list. Yeah. Um, And I would say that, you know, you start out with teaching your kids by letting them help you. Yeah. And this is a little blurb for moms. A lot of times moms have a hard time letting their kids take over and do things the way they would do them and they expect them to do them the way they did them and then they go back and they redo them, mm-hmm. okay? That's okay if your kids are four and five 
and maybe even six, depending on their maturity. But once they're like seven, eight, nine, ten, you need to have your hands off and you need to just let them, they need to have already been trained, actually. When it comes to doing dishes, laundry, you're going to be training them. By the time they're like eight, they should be able to load the washing machine and you don't have to worry about a bright red sock winding up with the whites and making everything pink, right? I mean, accidents happen, but generally speaking, like you should have done the training to where you can trust them and they can do that aspect. They can fold their clothes and put it away, right? Another would be floors or organizing, yeah. Other things that uh, we've done as special projects, like the vineyard project, and not everybody's going to do a vineyard. I get that. No. But like what can you, you do? Uh, we had a garden. We mm-hmm. had chickens and, and the, the egg business. So Kelsey right. completely took uh, control of that and, and ran she was it. actually five at she, the time. She was but, five. but she was much more mature and she was the oldest of many children. And, the, and, and so yeah. you just evaluate where your kids are at and we could trust her to take care of the animals. Um, but most kids by that time, they're six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 10, 11, you should be able to delegate taking care of the dog and not have to worry about it at all. They're starving for responsibility. Yeah. And so I remember Austin coming to me when he was age eight. I don't remember the exact words, but he's like, I'm ready for more responsibility. I'm ready to go to work, I think he said. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, all right. So I had the responsibility <laughs> to like figure out what work can he do and what yes. can I pay him for? And and so he he was showing responsibility. I taught him how to drive the tractor. Mm-hmm. I had a big mow deck on it and mow between the vineyard. I taught him meticulously yeah. and he did it so well that, At I, age compl- eight, right? that I completely yeah. trusted him and there was never anything. And this bad was not a lawnmower. This was the Kubota tractor. Yeah. And so, you know, you guys, kids just thrive. He just loved that. Yeah. And I think that a lot of times we underestimate our kids. And so we would just challenge you. Now, this doesn't mean you just put a kid on a tractor. No. That's not what we're saying. You You decide that. You have to train them too. You have to invest. I mean, he rode on that tractor with you hundreds of hours before you ever let him try it on Mm -hmm. his own. And so you have to be wise. It's It's actually a form of discipleship. Yeah, actually, is teaching them how to do it and then letting them take a step and do a little bit here, maybe not near the vineyard. And then it was, oh, let's do this row here. It's shorter. Yeah. And then, oh, let's try two rows. Okay, can you turn it and go down? So there's step-by-step process. And then pretty soon, by the time he's 10, he's doing it all by himself. Yeah. And so that's what you all want, right? Um, Another example, I I talked about this on Instagram, was when we were encouraged by an older lady in the church. You had been traveling a lot. And she was like, hey, so have you thought about helping Austin figure out how to be the man of the house? Oh, yeah. So every time before I leave, I talk to one of the boys uh, about being the man of the house. Whoever the oldest boy is that's at the house becomes the man of the house. And so they lock up the doors, they shut off the lights, they take care of, like Solomon actually was the only one home. We went snowboarding and he's our (laughs) four-year-old. So I said, Solomon, you're going to be the man of the house because all of us are going to be gone today. You said, take care of your mommy. Take care of your mom. (laughs) Make sure she gets what she needs. If she needs, she looks like she needs rest. Ask her what you can help her with. And how did it go? It was so sweet. Like right after you left, he goes, so mom, do you need a back rub? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I need a back rub. <laughs> and he just lit up. Yeah. I mean, it is so, they are starving for responsibility. Sometimes they're acting out and it's just plain your fault. They just <laughs> need to be yeah, believed in. That's true. Because when everybody wants to feel important and that they contribute. But yeah. kids don't know how to articulate that. 
They don't have the experience yeah. to communicate it's about that. It's also part of, I mean, we've done a podcast on how to create a team culture in your family. I highly recommend yeah, go it because this is literally like 30 seconds and that really teaches you. But th- it's one aspect of how you create a team culture is when everyone is contributing. So the next fourth thing that's a must do is teaching your kids how to have a disciplined life, which we're not talking about discipline in the sense of like correction or consequences. This is a disciplined life, meaning are they people of habits and purposefulness? And so are they, important yeah. before the teenage years, because if you don't instill them during these years, oh, how man. are they going to start them? The rooms are going to be a mess the later. They're not going to, you don't want to be reminding your 16 year old to brush their teeth. Yeah. I mean, really? So like hygiene is actually a huge category that's the perfect training ground for age 6 to 11. By the time they're like 6, 7 years old, they actually should be able to be brushing their teeth, flossing their teeth, doing mouthwash every day, twice a day at least, by themselves without having to be reminded actually. So that this is actually a part of it is that you want to develop the discipline And that takes accountability Mm. with kids, especially when they're younger. But as they get older, you should not have to hold them as accountable as much as possible, right? Mm -hmm. So we actually have a couple um, passages of scripture. Yeah, Philippians 2, 14 through 15, do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Would you all agree it's a crooked and perverse generation? Absolutely. Kids are disrespectful. They don't want to do what their parents tell them to do. And so you are in a position of when you're teaching your kids how to have a disciplined life, maybe they're sick of doing the dishes because they've been on dish duty all month long, right? But you have an opportunity to be training them in godliness by teaching them not to grumble and complain. So when we're talking about responsibilities and we're talking about having disciplined life in doing those responsibilities, whether it's fulfilling their responsibilities on time without having to be reminded over and over again, right? Yeah. Um, or whether it's being disciplined with their time, mm-hmm. we as parents are responsible for teaching there are kids these things which yeah. all go under the category of being having a disciplined life but it's not just doing them because someone could do them and be disciplined but have a horrible attitude yeah and the bible here is telling us that what god actually cares about is our heart How not about, just what we do here's another thing that's actually they did a study of adults who are very successful in the business world and they found that the further someone can see into the future and have delayed gratification meaning put off um, receiving the benefits of something um, for getting a greater benefit in the future, the further someone could see and and have discipline in that, the more successful they actually were. So a really important thing to teach your kids is delayed gratification. So, you know, when the kids go, hey, can I have dessert and it's dinner time? Yeah. That's like the opposite of that. Right. So, that would be and, indulging indulge- their self or their flesh. Right. right. And so... But now, how far can they go? Like homework. Let's take homework, for example. Uh, Let's say a a couple of the kids are doing something really fun, but they haven't done their homework yet. Right. Are they going to do their homework or go do the fun thing? Yeah. Delayed, Delayed gratification, gratification, and then they get their homework done earlier. You know, to this do actually even reminds us. So, you've been taking the kids snowboarding every week for the last few weeks. They have lessons yeah. that they go to. And I'm just. This actually reminds me of Megan because we were having a conversation with her. She had committed to babysitting for three different families this week. Plus, she's trying to get ready for debate. We just had grandparents visiting, so she didn't do her school as much as she would have 
normally done, right? Yeah. And she was like, yeah, so I might not get to go snowboarding even though I really want to because I need to get make sure I am staying on track with my school. That was awesome. And so I look at that and I'm like, that was right before that's her. we shot yeah, this podcast. Yeah, that was right before, and I literally, it just dawned on me, that's yeah. that. And she's 15 years old, but it took all those years of six to 11 and teaching her the importance of having integrity and getting her things done that she commits to. Yep. And and she's still learning, like not over committing, right? So like today she said yes to babysitting and then she had to go back and go, actually, it's probably not a good idea for me to do it because I'm already babysitting three, four times this week. And, What's, you know, and so yeah. there is that people pleasing. Sometimes kids are people pleasing and you have to watch out for those kids more and help them to set healthy boundaries, which is part of being disciplined because nobody feels good when they don't get what they've committed to done. So when you procrastinate, you tend to alienate all the other things you need to get done. What I mean is we tend to procrastinate the hardest things, but we still think about them as we're trying to be effective doing the easier things. And now everything takes longer. And so if you can teach your kids mm. to be disciplined about doing the hardest things first, yeah. then they get everything else done more effectively. Mm -hmm. And so that's another part of that, which is really important, which yeah. adults, most adults still have trouble with. And that's actually something that, you know, that's interesting because you were the one who taught me that when we worked together all those years back before we were even married, right? Because mm -hmm. that was something you would teach in business. Yeah. Um, and that's actually something that we have taught all of our kids regarding schoolwork is to pick the hardest thing. And even like just a few days ago, I had a conversation with Drew, who's our 13-year-old, who was like, no, mom, I really want to do logic or Latin because my week goes better if I get my hardest things done first. And I'm like, <laughs> it's just been drilled into them so yeah. much that it's become their way of life. It's a disciplined life, but it was also part of our family culture. So we're just sharing with you guys some of the insides, but here's another motivating passage of scripture to help you with training your children. It's Colossians 3, 23. It says, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not to men, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the reward of inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. Amen. And so when it comes to a disciplined life, we have to remind our kids that it's, yeah, so maybe they are having a grumpy attitude when they're doing homework. We need to remind them about their attitude. Why? Because we're doing it heartily as unto the Lord. That's I, why. I would write down these scriptures and whatever you use for notes on your device uh, or wherever you're going to be able to get to it quick. And you can use yeah. these scriptures with your kids. And that's the next point under disciplined life mm -hmm. is spiritual disciplines, yeah. which is what are their disciplines with reading the Bible when no one's looking mm -hmm. on their own accord? What are their disciplines with talking to God in prayer when nobody's looking? Mm -hmm. Um you know, that is the indicator of whether or not they are growing in relationship with God and developing habits that will continue into the teenage years and into their adult life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the fifth and final topic that we're covering in this podcast is going to be on friendships. And um, again, this is really just a taste test. We actually go into friendships more in depth in the Courageous Parenting Mentor Program. I have to put it out there because it's actually a huge topic. Yeah. Um, but ages 6 to 11 is where friendships start having more influence in our children's lives because they start spending more time with friends, actually. Yeah. And so um, we've always recommended that with kids that are under 6 years old, mm -hmm. You actually choose their friends 100%. Amen. Right? Like that is actually your role because you're in more of a protective 
role, realizing how impressionable your children are. And kids don't know how to make wise decisions, Mm -hmm. actually. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and then when they get to be six to 11, which is a category we're talking about, this is where you start teaching them Mm -hmm. more how to use friendships, but you do that by modeling, pursuing families where you would want them to have friendships. You have to be purposeful because if you're going to control who they're friends with, which you should, but then you're not going to be purposeful to instill friends, friends, then they're lonely. Right. And they don't learn how to be around no. people. And they're socially awkward. Right. And so a lot of times people go, oh, you homeschool, are your kids socially awkward? And this is an important important topic for kids that are homeschooled. But even if they're not, like we need to actually be proactively training our children that God's word has a lot of wisdom and guidance and how to choose friends. For example, 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness. And do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Mm. So obviously they are making mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is it, this particular passage of scripture, funny enough, is titled The Effects of Denying the Resurrection. <laughs> so we definitely want to be careful about who we're hanging out with. Again, that's 1 Corinthians. So that's New Testament. Proverbs has a ton of other scripture that's really encouraging um, regarding that you could memorize with your kids as far as like those who walk in the way the wicked will suffer harm. You know, Also, something that uh, happens to most kids is they're only comfortable talking to people their age and younger, which is a huge challenge and problem. And you want to prevent that. If they go to public school, Mm -hmm. they're even more prone to that challenge because everything is uh, age specific. They're in grade levels. They're segregated. They go to lunch with just certain ages, Mm -hmm. all these kinds of things. And they often aren't around adults talking to them. They're in big classrooms. Even churches are set up this way. And it's important that we recognize it because we actually need to be purposeful and intentional in pushing our kids and ourselves out of those age segregated places and connecting with people of other generations. And let me just give you a little bit of vision, like 40 years down the road, why this is so important. Right now, we live in a day and age where euthanasia is something that's happening. Mm -hmm. And it's going to get worse because we're in end times. And if we want our children who are going to be the future leaders of our world, right? If we want the young generations to have a heart of value for older people and for the unborn and for babies, if we want them to view all people from a biblical perspective, we have to teach it. Yeah. And the way we teach that is by helping them to have relationships with good godly people that are of all ages. So preventing ageism to exist while they're young. That's right. Another thing is the courage to speak the truth and experience with that in this age range. Because if they don't get good at it, standing for righteousness, standing for what's true, disagreeing with someone when they mm-hmm. say something extra biblical or mean against the Bible <laughs> yeah. or mean to somebody else, yeah. if they're not willing to stand up at this age, what makes you think they're going to ever be willing to stand up? Right. I mean, at this age, this is where you start teaching them to say, hey, my, you know what? My mom doesn't want us doing that. Like, you know, if they're six years old and they're having a play date and the kid starts getting into something they shouldn't be, right? Yeah. It's as simple as that to when they're 11 years old and they're on the soccer field and a kid cusses at the coach. Is your kid going to be brave enough to go to that person and go, don't be disrespectful to her that, or that was disrespectful. You should go apologize. Yep. You know what I mean? And, and I actually think that like with, with Luke, 
He was like nine years old the first year that he was on a soccer team. Horrible experience. Praise the Lord. He had a redeemed experience two years later. Horrible experience. A bunch of eight and nine-year-olds cussing on the field. No respect for authority. Calling each other private names. All kinds of bad stuff, you guys. And he stood up to them. He did. And they respected him for it, actually. Mm -hmm. And so, like, are we training our kids to be able to do that? Like, I remember him. You guys came home and you guys told me the story of what happened. And I was just in that moment of just mama proudness because I was like, really? He's he's the one that, like, seems so timid, right? But no, like, there's a boldness that's in him. And that's something that's had to be cultivated, developed, and a confidence of, like, hey – who are we serving? What are we on this planet for? We need to stand for righteousness. And not fear people. Right. And that comes with friendships too. Yeah. Okay. So there are a couple other aspects regarding friendships that we really would love to dig into, but they're really big topics. So we're just going to list them out here so that you guys can talk about them. Yeah. We've already covered ageism, the importance of being able to have courage and speak up when things are not biblical, right? Another is choosing wisely, being a peacemaker, Talk about gossip. Teach your kids what gossip is, why it's dangerous, why it's not biblical. Teach them how to handle that, right? Um, Teach them about selfishness, sharing, hospitality. Like teaching your kids to participate in the hospitality is really an important aspect, actually. And then Matthew 18. I'm not going to dig into this scripture, but this is something that needs to be taught to your kids. For us, when our kids are under six years old, we actually recommend that they come to us and share if there's been conflict so that we can teach them how to deal with the conflict because we don't know if the other kid knows how to deal with it biblically. And kids are just not born knowing how to do biblical reconciliation. We rarely step in. We more equip our kids to handle the situation but when they get to be like six to 11 years old again based upon evaluation of spiritual maturity and the other kid right you want to lead them to this scripture which is in matthew 18 verse 15 that says moreover if your brother sins against you go and tell him his fault between you and him alone and so this is where you start teaching your kids to go and talk to them and to have that conversation if it doesn't go well they need to come and tell you so that you can then go with them to their parent and that is just like the very very most basic aspect, but I just want to point out to you guys that the, all of the scripture that is before the first 15 verses in chapter 18 are actually where Jesus is talking about children. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not ironic to me or a consequence that God puts this scripture about talking about conflict right after he talks about discipling children and becoming like a child and not leading a child into sin and not not leading them astray. And if one is lost, going and finding them. This is very strategic that Jesus is teaching it in this portion of scripture. So we as parents need to make sure that we're teaching our kids what biblical friendship is supposed to look like in regards to conflict because it happens in friendships. It just does. Kids fight sometimes. So I hope you guys were encouraged by today. And we are excited to connect with you next week for the next part two of this episode where we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the next five reasons, uh, things you should be teaching your six to 11 year olds, biblical parenting wise, the must do's. So tune in and please share this so you can get other people on track for these two special episodes. See you next time. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We wanted to quickly tell you about our six-week online parenting mentor program. Isaac and I created a powerful biblical curriculum. Here's how it works. Each week, Isaac and I release a video with a downloadable parenting packet to make it easy for you and your spouse to incorporate those teachings directly into your parenting. 
It's an incredible program where we cover everything from obedience, training, to overcoming mistakes most Christians are making. But more than that, it's an incredible community. You'll have access to our private online group, live webcasts, and the Courageous Parenting text message line where Angie and I can send you weekly encouragements straight to your phone. If you're interested in joining our next online parenting mentorship program, secure your spot now at CourageousParenting.com. That's CourageousParenting.com.